You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Come on, Pastor Craig, you're freaking me out. Hey, it's real. There is a, there is a war going on that we're going to talk about today. It's an invisible war that we need to know about and, and believe in. But before I do that, can we welcome all seven campuses? Good to have you with us at Grace. Yeah. And those watching online, two-part series. I'm doing the first one on the invisible war. Pastor Daryl's gonna bring the second one. He's gonna talk about the weapons of our war. You don't wanna miss either week, but uh, I don't want us to be unprepared. To be unaware is to be unprepared. The Bible's clear. It talks about spiritual warfare. It talks about devils and, and demons. In fact, Ephesians 6.12, the apostle Paul, who was a very sane man, by the way, very educated one of the greatest religious leaders of his day, he says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, you thought it was your wife. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There are many Christians that live like this battle doesn't exist, yet the Bible says it exists. It's funny, in 1860, Louis Pasteur made a medical uh, breakthrough and what he discovered was germ theory. Before that, they thought that when people caught diseases, it just spontaneously happened in places. And he said, no, no, no. There are these invisible microorganisms that can be airborne and carried through water and, and sweat and people making contact. And it's these microorganisms is what, bring, what spreads diseases. First, they thought he was crazy. How can something invisible impact something that's physical? But he proved a theory. It literally changed how they did medicine from that day forward. And I'm wondering if we have to understand that this invisible war that we're in, trust me, it intersects with the physical world. And then that intersection is where you and I live. And we need to be prepared or we will not win the battle. C.S. Lewis, I know some of you go, man, you're so intense about this, Craig. C.S. Lewis says there's two extreme views. Those who deny the existence of, devil, of the devil and demons and those who have an excessive, unhealthy interest and focus on the devil. These are two extremes. Now, I know the one extreme, uh, you know, people love it. Oh, Greg's talking about the devil. Yeah, there's a devil under every bush. No, there isn't. But, be, but, but it could be unhealthy focus. I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, one of my youth leaders told me the devil's been attacking him. And I said, well, how's he been attacking you? Well, the other day I was driving down the interstate. True story, okay? You'd wonder how he could be one of my youth leaders after you hear this. He goes, I was driving down the interstate and I noticed my, my gas tank was on empty and I said, I'm gonna make, if I can just make it to this next exit and get off, I'll, I'll get some gas. He goes, but I got to the exit and I said, I'm gonna believe God I can make one more exit. And he goes to the next exit before he gets there, he gas runs out of, he runs out of gas in the car. And, and I said, so what are you talking? He goes, well, that was the devil. The devil's attacking me. I said, no, you're stupid. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the devil. So let's, let's, can we find that, that medium ground to recognize they do exist and they do influence and they do things that, that, that can uh, control behaviors of people in this world? We have to believe that they do, but they don't affect everything. We can't blame everything 
on the devil. Some things are our own uh, poor decisions. But the Bible refers to Satan and demons 350 times in the New Testament. In fact, in 1 Timothy, it warns us that now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, I don't know about you, but I believe we're getting close. In the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. You ever think about that? What, what is he? Demons teaching like a red suit, a pitchfork? No. Demons teaching through people. There are certain lies, certain things that are being said that are lies that people are buying into and they're being deceived by the enemy. So I, I had this question. I started thinking about that one part, turning away from the true faith. And it really made me just want to pray for people that, that you could, you know, they used to have a strong faith, but you see somehow they've, they've drifted away because they believed certain lies. So we need to be, continue to pray or for our friends, but we need to be prepared uh, for this battle. So how do we do that? Well, let's talk about who our enemy is. A couple things. These are obvious that we should know, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you again. Who is our enemy? How can we describe our enemy, Satan? The Bible has a lot of descriptions of them. I can't cover them all. I'm going to give you what I believe some of the two or three top ones are. Number one, who is this unseen enemy? He's a liar. He's a liar. Jesus calls him the father of lies. He lies about God. He lies about you. He lies about your identity. He lies about your future. He lies about your, your potential. He lies about your, your singleness. He lies about your marriage. He lies about uh, so many things. And if we believe those lies, it affects us. He's a liar. John 8 says this. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and a father of lies. And now we know that Jesus also said in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth will do what? It'll set you free. Folks, there's only one defense for lies, the truth of God's word. And you're gonna hear this over and over again, you have to know the truth of God's word. You gotta know what God says about you, about who he is, about the world that we live in. And when you hold on to the truth, it pushes back the lies of the enemy. But if we don't know the truth, these lies, if they're repeated over and over and over again, they become strongholds in our minds and they change how we live and what we believe and our behavior. We have to win this, this battle of truth in our lives. He's, he's a liar, he's also an accuser. How many know he accuses us? He slanders you, slanders me. I, I, anybody that preaches or leads anything, I will tell you this, he's always accusing you. Get, before I get up on the stage, who do you think you are? You never even went to Bible school and you're gonna teach these people the Bible? Accusing me. I, you, 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 you're gonna get up and do that after, after the way you drove on Del Mabry today? He's an accuser. He wants to continue to accuse you, to make you feel worthless or unworthy or unable. He's an accuser. The Bible tells us in Revelation 12, gives them a lot of names. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the, come on everyone say it, the whole world. 
was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. I love this. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. He's an accuser and he's still accusing and he's gonna accuse you and he's gonna accuse me. We gotta understand that's who he is, but we better have a, a rebuttal. We better know how to, what do we do when he accuses us? We need to know the truth. See, Satan condemns. He condemns the person. He makes you, well, you're just not worth it. You're unworthy. Where God convicts, there's a difference. God's conviction is about specific sin in our life. Satan is a condemner. He's an accuser in our life. And, and I tell you, you have to know the truth. I love Romans 8.1 because I felt like early in my life, because I had a pretty checkered past when I accepted Christ, Satan always used to accuse me about my past. And I found a truth scripture in Romans 8, 1, it says this, therefore now, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And I said, I'm in Christ. So why am I feeling this condemnation and accusation? It was the enemy. And I, I would use that truth, that verse every day and, and confess it and speak it and memorize it. And I wanna tell you something, it crushes the finger of the accuser. That's how we fight this battle, with the truth of God's word. He's an accuser. Uh, yeah, another thing is, he, he, he appears as an angel of light. He's a deceiver. He's a liar, he's an accuser, and he's a deceiver. I mean, how many of you know that it, it, Satan could not trick any of us up if he just came like some of you think he is. He, he's in a red suit with a pitchfork. And he knocks on the door, hey, come on, follow me. I'm gonna destroy your life. We go, I know you, devil. He doesn't come like that. He disguises himself. He appears to be an angel of light. He's very deceptive. He's a deceiver. And we got to understand his strategy and, and how he deceives us. Second Corinthians says, but I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Because you know, not all good things are God things. Sometimes the enemy will use these things to deceive us, to get us off the path, off the track. And so we, we gotta be aware of his strategy. Let's talk about his strategy. It was amazing, the Bible is like our playbook. He already tells us what the strategy is. The strategy Satan used in the very beginning is the same strategy he uses today in our lives. We know the story in Genesis, Adam and Eve, God created them. They're living this wonderful life. They're in the garden. And God sets up these, this beautiful place. Hey, here's the boundaries. Enjoy this place. Enjoy every tree in the garden, the, the mango trees, the apple trees, the papaya tree. Hey, enjoy everything. But this one tree, don't touch it. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. Don't touch this tree. See, how many of you know that boundaries are not bad? They're good things. But the enemy will tell you, no, that boundary is God trying to keep something from you. And so here it is, it's Genesis chapter three. We're introduced to the serpent, Satan, and here's what he does. Here's his strategy. It's the same strategy he uses on you and I today. Let's look at it for a minute, if we can. His strategy, he debates God's word. He, he, he challenges God's word. He, he questions the authority of God's word. Here's what he says to, to Eve. Now the serpent was more crafty 
than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So he starts this conversation with Eve. Here's the first thing I tell you, don't have conversations with the enemy. Tell him to shut up. But you no, know, she decides to have a conversation with him. And he says, did God really say? He, see, he's, he's challenging God. He's challenging God's word. He's challenging God's definition of right and wrong. And you know, he just kind of starts planning this in the mind of Eve. He begins to twist something that God says. He begins to get Eve to rationalize. Well, you know, let me think about, listen, do not rationalize with the enemy. You lose every time. He's a master manipulator. He's a master deceiver. The Bible says he's cunning. We should not have these kind of, but Eve's having this conversation with him. And he, he debates and he challenges the word of God. And number two, then he deceives the mind with lies. It goes on. She continues this conversation in Genesis 3, 2 through 4. The woman said to the serpent, we may, not, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. She kind of knows what God said, but then Satan, who's a master twister and manipulator and deceiver, he says this to Eve, you will not certainly die. He's lying to her. When he's saying to her, you know what? Do what you want to do. There are no consequences. Live your life your way. Live your life for you. You don't need all these boundaries that God has put in place. He says the same thing to people today. Live the way you want to live. There is no eternity. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no, no, there's no consequences. Do what you want to do. Be free. This is how he works. He deceives the mind with lies. 2 Corinthians 11.3 refers back to Genesis. The apostle Paul says this, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere, pure devotion to Christ. I'm gonna say this as nice as I know how. If you're parents with kids, I want to tell you something, you need to stay close to your kids. We are in a time in our society and in some of our school systems that really concerns me. I'm just telling you, parents, get close to your kids. Make sure they know God's word and God's truth versus what the culture and the world is telling them. There are lies that try to, to deceive our children and pull them away. And parents, you are the guardians of truth. And sometimes being a guardian of the truth makes you not such a good guy in their eyes. Quit trying to be their friend and be their parent and their guardian. I, I'm just telling you. We need to battle and we need to fight for our kids. He deceives the mind. See, what we believe about God, about his word, about morality, about marriage, about heaven and hell and eternity will greatly influence our decisions and our behavior. And our decisions are, and behavior are influenced by what we allow into our minds. Now listen, when lies come in, we can push them back out. We can't let them sit there. 
You can't begin to rationalize the lies of the enemy because these lies become strongholds and these strongholds begin to control us and we walk in deception. That's how he works. He, he debates, he deceives the mind, and then he plants doubt about God's goodness and character. That's what he does because he goes a step further because he says, hey, God said this. He goes, ah, you're not gonna die. Then he even goes a little further. And he plants more doubt about who God is in the mind of Eve. He says, here's why God doesn't want you to eat from that tree. For God knows, and I can see the sarcasm in his voice as he's speaking to Eve. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good for evil, good and evil. Really what he was trying to say to her is, you know what? God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to experience all that, that, that you could possibly have in your life. God's a big killjoy. Oh, God's just being stingy. You know what? God is just harsh and legalistic. He, he just isn't fair. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? One tree in the middle of the garden. You can eat from every other tree. What's the big deal about this one tree? The big deal is God said no. That's the big deal, folks. And no matter where you are rationalizing in your mind about certain things in our lives, if God said something, he said it to protect you, and he said it because there's a reason for it, and sometimes we don't even know the why, but we say, God, I'm gonna fear and respect you even when I don't understand. That's where we need to go sometimes in our lives. But we live in a world of rationalization. We live in a world of manipulation. We live in a world where Satan plants doubt about the goodness and the character of who God is. And folks, we gotta make a decision. I believe this, that God is good all the time. And sometimes in the midst of our situation, God doesn't seem good, but he is good. His character is good. His attributes of God are love and mercy and, love and faithfulness to us. I'm fired up because I, I, I don't like to see the enemy lying and deceiving and, and, and causing people to, to stray away from God. So here's our weapons real quick. And again, I'm not gonna go into detail about the weapons this week. Pastor Darrell is next week. But here's our weapons. I mean, come on, we know what they are, right? One is the Bible, the Word of God, the truth of God is a weapon that we need to not just have sitting on a shelf in our, in our bedroom, but it's gotta be something that's in our heart and in our mind, so when a lie comes our way, we go, that's a lie, because I know what the truth is. Yeah. I know that's a lie, because God's shown me the truth. See, truths will expose the lies of the enemy. Yeah. And so we have to have God's truth uh, in us. In Romans 12, it says that our minds, we renew our minds, our minds are renewed. Uh, wait, what's it say? Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind with the word of God. Some of us, we need our minds renewed because we've been lied to so much, we only know it's a lie. We need to strip off the lies and hold on to the truth. God's truth, God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Number two, God's community. How many know we need the power of community, man? I, I could say at Grace Family Church, we talk about it all the time. Find your tribe, find your group, find your team. Don't walk, don't do this life alone. Don't do Christianity alone. Don't do your marriage alone. Don't do your single life alone. Find a group of people who are not perfect, but are trying to follow after God. There's, there's protection, there's protection in that. 
Okay, we've all seen the National Geographic, right? Where the lion's starting to prowl, the music starts going right, and that lion's looking for that one dumb impala. The one that's away from the herd. The one that's out there kind of doing its own thing. Oh, this is beautiful grass over here. I'll take some of this. Away from the herd, and that's where the lion goes after, the one that's isolated. The Bible says Satan comes like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'm telling you, there is power in community. That when you're in community and you get attacked, others in your own community know, and they're there to love you, to protect you, to encourage you, to give you perspective. But when you're all alone, it's not a good thing. Ecclesiastes says it like this. Two people are better off than one. I know you think you're great by yourself, but God says two are better than one. Two are always better than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Folks, you're in real trouble walking alone because it exposes you more to the work of the enemy in your life. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Man, just give me that one person, amen, that'll stand back to back with me. Man, we need that one person that will stand with us. And it goes on and says, three, there, three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Man, the power of the word, the power of community, and the power of the name of Jesus. We have God's authority, man. Folks, we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. God has given us a greater power that lives in us. We sing about it all the time. But God's authority, it says in 1 John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you, the one who is in you, the one that Jesus sent when he went to heaven, the Holy Spirit, he goes, the one that is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. He is no match for the power of God and the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus in your life. We do not have to be afraid. We don't have to back down. We can stand and fight and win. Amen? Come on, guys. You can do this. I'm tired of seeing people beat up and deceived when they have everything they need to win the battle. I think about how do we, how can I explain this to you? It's like it's, we have a, a, the police, the traffic cops that come out and help us direct fly, uh, uh, the people getting in and out of the parking lot. And on, at least at the Van Dyke campus, we, they're standing out on the road and, and they put their hand up and this car is going 60 miles an hour, sometimes faster. And, and, it, and that car is about 3,000, 3,500 pounds. And that cop goes like this and that car comes to a screeching stop, hopefully not screeching but stops. He doesn't stop because of the 180 pound policeman. He stops because he understands the authority behind the badge of that police officer. That's what he understands the authority behind it. Listen, the enemy understands the authority that you represent when you know who you represent, when you know your identity in Christ, when you stand and say, no more enemy in my family, my, my marriage, my kids. I'm telling you that has authority in your life. And you can win, you can stand up. James 4, 7 says, so humble yourselves. Here's how you win against the enemy. No room for pride. Pride says, I do it alone. Pride says, I ain't gonna tell anybody. I don't need, I don't need people, I can do it myself. Rambo. That's old school, some of you don't know who Rambo is. I guess I gotta get a better analogy. 
So humble yourselves before God. It's the first thing you do. Resist the devil and he will flee. He will run from you. That's what the Bible promises. Humble yourself before God. Resist him with the word of God, the truth of God, the authority of God, and he will flee. He has no choice. Come on, folks. He has no choice. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. That's how we win the battle in our lives. I, I have a, there's this, this righteous anger in me right now, man. It's kind of like, you know, when you, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but when you're, maybe you're a dad or a mom and you're looking at a distance and you see your kids playing in a park and all of a sudden you see some bigger kid come up and start bullying your son or daughter and something rises up in you and you just go, that ain't happening to my family. You're not gonna mess with my kids. Those are my kids. You know, there just comes a time in our lives where we say, you know what? I am in a battle and I am in a war and I recognize that maybe not all of it, but some of it is the enemy. And I'm not putting up with it anymore. I'm gonna draw the line in the sand. I'm gonna quit letting him bully my, my, my family, my marriage, my children. I'm gonna start standing with the authority and the truth of God in my life. I, I'm just, I'm gonna start fighting. I'm gonna fight. I'm not gonna sit here and go, oh no, what's that? I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna stand up for what I know and, and what I believe. And that doesn't mean you're a raving lunatic going into the streets of Tampa rebuking every devil. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you recognize the enemy, knowing who you are, knowing your identity, knowing your weapons and say, enough is enough. Get out of my house. Get, you're not gonna do that to my kids. I'm not gonna allow this to happen in my marriage. You know, can I give you some practical stuff? I know we're kind of giving you the, and, and next week, don't miss Daryl. He'll bring some practical things to it too, but just take one lie that you've been believing for a long time and everybody has one. And it harasses you, it dominates you, it tries to control the way you think and your behavior, that one lie. And you know what that lie is. And, and give you an example, that maybe that lie is condemnation, always condemning you, always accusing you. And you take that one truth, find a truth that exposes the lie. And I, I give you the simple one already, Romans 8.1. Feeling that way, and you take Romans 8.1 and you say, you know what? That's a lie. Here's the truth. Therefore now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what I did? Every day, four, five, six, seven times a day, I would say that verse because the enemy was accusing me. When I first got saved, I had a very checkered past. And the enemy is always bringing up my past and accusing me. And I began to quote that truth in my life. And that truth moved out that lie where that lie used to be a stronghold. Listen, that lie has been broken in my life. It takes a little bit of work on your part. You, you, there's something you gotta do. You gotta dig deep and go, okay, I'm not gonna believe that lie. Where's the truth? God, show me the truth. Show me in your word the truth that combats this lie. Just, just do that one, and you watch the freedom you experience in your life. And just one more thing. I, I feel like 
The, the Bible says that Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers. You know that? That some people's minds are blinded to the gospel? You ever recognize that? I did. When I, when I gave my life to Christ, I'm like, why didn't I see this before? It's like all of a sudden my eyes are open. I'm like, why didn't I see this? And it was like, it was so simple and so clear. Well, Satan had been blinding my mind and someone had been praying for me. Someone had been praying that the blindness would be lifted. Your friends, your family, your relatives, pray against Satan and the blindness he's put over their mind and eyes. And you watch, man, I'm telling you. In fact, I, when I first gave my life to Christ, I went to all my friends and I thought, man, they're gonna love what I'm saying. This is good news. I go, hey, guys, you wouldn't believe. And I tell them, they go, you're crazy, man because their minds are blinded. Man, let's go pray against that. In fact, there's people on every campus right now, the enemy's lied to you about salvation, about eternity, about heaven. You, well, I just, it's good for you, but man, you don't know me, man. I mean, there's no way God could forgive me. I, 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 you know, some of us think we gotta earn our way to heaven, lie. Be religious to get to heaven, lie. The only thing that gets you to heaven is getting on your knees and admitting that you need the grace of Jesus and the mercy of God based on the cross of Jesus Christ. And when you humble yourself before God like that, there's no pride involved. You're admitting, I need help, I need God. You can be saved. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks at the door of your heart. And if you'll open the door, he'll come in. And let's pray that for you all over every campus right now, I wanna pray that. Father, in Jesus' name, just pray this with me silently if you like. Jesus, I need you to forgive me. I believe you died on a cross for me, for my sins, personally for me. I believe I have great worth and value in your sight. So the best I know how, I accept the free gift of Jesus. I need that Holy Spirit you talked about, the greater one living in me so I can live in victory in this world. Jesus, come into my life. Save me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's shout for those people. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.